You are now listening to the Claim It Podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I love having real, <laughs> I know I'm saying real, like a conversation isn't real, meaning that I am honored that when I have these conversations with people, people really open up to me. I'm not saying they don't in other conversations, but yeah, like we don't really follow any sort of rules. We go deep in many ways. And I love having these conversations with people going through the journey of their life. We often can sort of zig and zag, and sometimes we don't get into much of it. That kind of happened in this episode, but it also is because where we pivoted is very much about her and her life and what makes her who she is and what she's sharing, including her brand new book, which is called You're Already Awesome. And that is my friend, Allison Faulkner. I love having these conversations with people and opening up again, seeing their journey, that it's not often like all the shiny and direct routes, but also seeing how things fall into place and sort of come full circle. Um, Allison is an entrepreneur, speaker, brand strategist. She has an awesome podcast called Awesome with Allison. I was lucky to be a guest on. Um, I think my episode came out probably the second week of May because it was right after my book came out. Uh, which is called F the Shoulds, Do the Wants, BTW. Uh, BTW is not in the title. That's me telling you what the title is. Anyway, I have loved Allison for a long time. I found her on social media years ago, and it's been awesome to see her grow. And we wrote our books pretty much at the same time. So we were calling each other book buddies and would check in on each other. So I am so excited that her book is now officially out in the world. And let's get into this episode. Oh, I always forget to say this and then we'll be like, let's get into it and then pause. If you haven't yet, hit the follow button, subscribe and leave a review for the podcast. If you do, you can screenshot it, send it to me at podcast at yourjoyologist.com, and I'll send you a gift from my product line as a thank you because your reviews matter, not just to me, but they help other people find the podcast. All right, let's get into it. I'm so excited to get to talk to you and OMG, I was about to say your book is about to come out, but when this episode airs, it's it's ah, out there. It is out ah. in the world. <laughs> You're already awesome. Yeah, I think right? so. That was the point of the book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but that's the title. Book title. Yeah. I have that thing where like I say something with confidence and is right when it's about to come out of my mouth. I'm like, wait, am I saying that the right thing? All the time but I'm like, that's the name of the book. And I'm talking people that like I really, really know. And then I just start like panicking where I'm like, hello, my lover. Like I just start going. Because you know, you're afraid to say the name. name, But also like I'm 99.9% sure I've got the name. And then I'm just like, what if they've never corrected me and that's not their name? By the way, a friend of mine, let me call her the wrong name for many years. 
FYI. <laughs> She's been a podcast guest. Her full name is okay. Stephanie. And so, but what she goes by, S-T-E, like V-V-I. And when I saw this, I was like, Stevie. So for years, I called her Stevie. And then I heard her say to somebody else, like, Stevie. Mm. And I was like, correct, S-T-E-V-V-I. And I was like, I have called you Stevie for over five years. (laughs) To you! What did she say? Was she like, that's just our nickname for I don't remember. I think, it even, I think we even end up talking about it like on the episode. But yeah, she was like, well, it was close enough. And I, like, I didn't want to hurt your feelings to correct you. And I was like, <laughs> like well, how do you think I feel now? <laughs> anyway. The title of the book is You're Already Awesome. My name is Allison. And I do have a podcast called Awesome with Allison. So should you mix any of those up, it's all going to kind of shake itself out okay right like it's all gonna work (laughs) yeah but and uh so but uh so the way that I found you many years ago was from awesome because I I believe my deck the first like product I made called own your awesome was already out in the world and that was like I was like so new to like having my own sort of business anyway and then there's a product and you're awesome. And I think somebody that bought the deck or followed me was like, oh my gosh, you need to check out this awesome with Allison or something like that. Was that on Instagram? And I like found you. And so it was like, we, I like bonded, even though I was, it was a one part bonding, I think one sided bonding <laughs> initially. I was trying to remember how we, <laughs> from the other, usage. I'm, I'm happy for this story. Thank this is you. how. So from this is, from the word usage of awesome. But yeah, so I follow, started following you years ago when I was mostly fo- like focused on products because you used the word awesome a lot, I guess. Like that's like, now that I'm saying it back, I was like, that's hilarious. And I was like, right, own your awesome, awesome with well, Alice. We have, like we have similar, <laughs> similar messages. Or no, you had, so it, like it was, it wasn't just, yeah. it wasn't just the word, I think. But, I could be wrong, but <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. But it was like basically that it was. Anyway, but I don't even remember what you were doing at that time. Who can remember anything? I don't know. So we're going to have to just go. Who can remember what? anything at this point? Who, Who can remember anything at this point? But, well, so usually I start with everybody talking about high school. <laughs> so we'll figure out. It'll It'll come up eventually where I found you in this timeline. But yes. I always start with asking people about their experience in oh high school. Oh my gosh. And like, memory, memory and like what, cause I think, cause in high school, I think that sort of pressure starts of like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And we act as if we have to pick one thing and like, that's it. Or like, so I love knowing about high school experience, what that was like for you. And yeah, if you were like sort of feeling like, oh, I want to do this. Or if you're just like, do, do, do. Or if your parents were like, do this. Um, I've just, everywhere I go, there I am. So it's like, what did I do in high school? Exactly what I do now. I wrote, I wrote for the high school newspaper. I was a feature, a features editor. And so in in like a pinch, I would il- illustrate stuff. I'd write a column, a really sassy column. 
What made you want to get interested in being part of the newspaper? Like, were you, did you want to be a journalist? I think I was really into the idea of like, so I was born in 1983. So growing up, it would have been magazines. I wanted to write for a magazine, right? Like that would be the coolest is if you write articles for like 17 or (laughs) like a magazine, you know, a magazine, some sort of like hip DIY magazine I was into or something, you know, because I was so cool. And I was also like, I was junior class president. But the reason I was junior class president is because I was just going to do it like, you know, for resume or, or, you know, college applications. But then the person who was going to be the president, I was like, you know, junior class president plans the prom. So you should probably be vice president and I'll be president because no one else was running. And he was like, okay. Um, (laughs) So you know what, sir, you should probably just let me go ahead and be in charge of this. And he was like, all right. So I was junior class president and I planned our prom and had like a complete and total breakdown planning the prom, which basically is my like, and I also in, in high school like I was I, I'm laughing because I, I am like the reality of the Allison and current life I know I'm like well of course I planned the prom and I also would like <laughs> did these things um so in Southern California it was really huge called Airband and it was a lip syncing competition. I mean, so there was the Pepsi smash. It was like at, I think it was at like USC or SDSU arena. I mean, it was huge. And like, I would do like the school level and then you would win and then you'd go to the district level and then you'd go to the like Southern California level. And I like twice. And, and so what it was, it was like big, like choreographed costumes, um, set changes, dancing, lip singing. And like, I was in charge of like scream like you'd have boys in it because you the the boys always like did better because it's like we're all so enamored with boys lip singing and girls lip singing have to like actually work harder you know just like let's go back to like early two thousands late nineties um, and so we had boys in the group the second year and I, like I was the person like just screaming at all of them because they weren't taking it seriously enough so I'd say. So wait, you were the person like planning the air? There were multiple people. I was friends with a lot of type A personalities. (laughs) And uh, we're talking like Harvard, Berkeley, like we're, we're, we're talking, we were some intense, intense people. And so, um, I would, I would be in charge of different parts, like not necessarily all the choreography I did because Stephanie was much, but she was a very good choreographer, but I can go through and say like everybody's part, but that was like a pretty big thing for me in high school to, to create those. I did that like when I was a junior, senior. And so it's really funny. Cause like I told, I'm like, I kind of, I guess I've kind of been doing the same thing. <laughs> A big production. I'm very stressed about it. I want everyone to listen to me. I want everyone to take me seriously, but stop taking me seriously and you don't know me. I mean, like, that's the vibe. <laughs> take me seriously, but don't take me seriously. <laughs> but like, I'm going to pop out of a cake and I'm not a stripper. So everybody get on board and get over it, right? I don't know. I don't know, Trisha. I saw myself as a writer, as a speaker teaching, I mean, like writing a book that was, I always knew I would have a book. It wasn't like, I want to write a book. 
it was like, I will have a book. I don't know what about. And people would be like, what's your book going to be about? I'm like, I don't know. You just always like knew you wanted yeah. to be a writer. Um, before I move along, I do want to know what the prom theme Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I, I left it out on purpose. And so now you're going to know. Okay. So it was Footprints in the Sand. But the reason why that's funny is because it's also kind of like a Jesus poem. But <laughs> but it was by the beach. It was at the Del Mar Fairgrounds, right? The Del Mar Racetrack. And it was um, bougie, bougie high school, yes. Um, and so we had it there. And the the gift that all the seniors got were these bottles that you could put a picture in. But I wanted to get sand in all the bottles, but the bottles we had ordered that said like footprints in the sand prom, you know, 2001 or whenever it was, they were leaking sand. So I still remember, and this is so funny. So my friend, Jessica Dahlquist, who is in, in my book, she does the Extraordinary Moms podcast. There's like a story with her in the book. Um, she was she was helping me. I think she was like secretary. She was helping me. And I remember being in my dad's office having like a complete hyperventilating breakdown because the sand would not not leak out of the bottles for the footprints in the sand event. So and then I'm going to say this. I wasn't going to say it, but I was prom queen the next year. And I always maintain, because I'm like, shame. But no, but like, I maintain that I was prom queen because I would get on the announcements and like scold the entire school about all the prom announcements, like my whole junior year. I'd be like, it's time for tickets. It's time for this. Like, I'd literally just... (laughs) I didn't remember I did any of this. And so then when it was time to vote for prom, when I was a senior... I really believe that's why I won because people were like, oh, prom, that's Allison's thing. <laughs> Maybe they were afraid. I don't know. <laughs> but I don't think well, they were afraid. You know, I, 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 like, I like to have a wide, a wide demographic reach if I can. And I do remember, and <laughs> I've always remembered, you know, I'm very interested in all of the people, especially the people. I just was interested in everybody. And I really, talked to everybody. Shocking, I know. Um, <laughs> and so I think I also did have like a varied, a varied friend group, right? <sighs> so that's all awesome in high You school. earned it. You've you earned that prom queen. <laughs> I'm like, like I'm like, I was prom queen, but I wasn't a mean girl. That was homecoming queen. Okay. Prom queen was like was like the not as cute sister. Everybody, like don't judge me. <laughs> So what did you do um, after high school? Like, was college something that was always like, I'm going to college, I'm going to be a writer? Was that part of it? Like, yeah, where did, what happened after you know, high school? That's a good question. What did happen? I went to college and I got into a long relationship while I was in college that looking back was not a cute relationship. So it's interesting because I had like on the one hand, some positive college things. And then on the other hand, it's like kind of a dark hole. What, um, well, like, where did you even like, what made you choose where you went or anything? Like, how did you end up where I went to, I went to BYU because my parents said that I could go to any college that I wanted, but they would pay for BYU. (laughs) (laughs) why would they pay for BYU and not anywhere else they wanted me to go to BYU 
You know, if I had pushed harder, like I maybe could have or would have gone somewhere else, but it was kind of like just the thing to do. BYU is a really like high level school and it's really inexpensive um, because it's a pri- it's like privately owned by the church. And so I went to BYU and lived in Provo, Utah, where I still live. But while I was at BYU living in Provo, Utah, you could have held a gun to my head and I would have said, I will never live in Provo, Utah. It's so dumb. And so it's pretty funny that I live here. (laughs) Was your family Mormon? Is that why they wanted you to go there? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so you grew up in Southern California, but that was the like, because that's what I was like. I was trying to figure out any other way. Like, I was like, oh, why people in California be like, you can only, you can only go. It's, but it's also because there's very much like a feeling of, and anybody in like, you know, like a weird religion or, or a subset of culture. I mean, really, like, we'll, we'll understand, like, there's a huge um, community of people who are Mormon or Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saint in Utah. So it is kind of like a like a mecca like where you might go for college or state college and it's there's there's partly like this relief of like you've been the weird one for so long and then you come here and you're not the weird one but really what happened is when i came to utah i was like ew i don't like you mormons i'm not like any of you i don't want to be mormon and so <laughs> so then that was like a whole faith transition like existential nihilistic journey where you know that's but but it turns out Trisha that's just kind of my normal turns out and Allison having an existential (laughs) crisis is my regular (laughs) well I'm guessing like so in growing up in Southern California and your family was Mormon, but what did you have a strong community there? Like, so it was like your version of being Mormon different than if you had grown up in it's, Utah It's very, it's very you know? different because in Utah, the church, and it's not like this so much now, but in 2002, let's say, or late 90s, Utah is not just synonymous with Mormonism anymore. It's Anytime you get um, like a religion, like or culture dominating geographically, it it like change it like changes the religious things become cultural things, and cultural things can become religious things. And so there's like um, different, like just like there's different like you know levels of Catholicism. You might say, are you like a Christmas or an Easter? Catholic or different levels in Judaism or different, you know, Orthodox. Um, That's like Mormonism. And Mormonism is so cultural. It's so cultural. Like it's, it's like, even if you quote unquote, leave the church, it's like a heritage. You like have Mormon pioneers. So I think lots of times when people are like, there's a bunch of shows on Hulu right now. I haven't watched any of them, but there's like Mormon no more. Oh my gosh, there are. That's right. (laughs) And you know what? This is funny. You're asking, like this would have actually been very triggering for me, but I'm not, like I've healed. I used to be very stressed about my book because I, I have what I believe and it's not exactly... Mormon, right? But like whatever is exactly a religion. But I'm also not like, 
I'm not like outright like saying, no, we're taking our names off the records. I don't know. I live in a, I like to call it religiously fluid, spiritually fluid. And (laughs) um, that was something when I was writing my book where I was like, what, like, I realized like there was a lot of fear in putting my book out because I felt like really from high school like that, like I'm a weirdo, I'm going to get attacked. People are going to hate me. Um, Because, you know, people don't like. Did you feel like meaning like people were going to hate you that were Mormon and you're talking about this or people that are going to look at you like, wait, she has ever had anything to do with Mormon. So we can't trust her sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That. But like, wait, people hearing Mormon, like, oh God, oh God, something must be wrong with this person if she was part of this community. (laughs) She's stupid. She like, I'm you like uh, different things, like um, maybe like racist or not, you know, pro LGBTQ, you know, like whatever, whatever anybody wants to land on. And ultimately it really, it really has been like such a empathetic learning tool to see myself freak out about the labels other people are going to put on me because more or less they're labels that like, while they're very much like a part of my upbringing and a part of my culture and a part of like, you know, some identity markers, I I don't have to show them. Like, I don't, like, I don't have to, I don't have to walk around with a sign that says, I am Mormon this way, don't put me in this box, blah, 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 blah. But it really did help me understand, like, one day this woman was crossing the street and she was black. And I had this thought where I was like, oh, people jump to conclusions about skin color, but you can't not show your skin color. Right. And so people jump to all these conclusions about like my upbringing or my religion or this, but like I can talk about it or not talk about it. And it really was this, for me at least, this aha moment of empathy where I was like, oh, oh, that's that privilege thing everybody's talking about. Okay. Like this was years ago, right? Like where I'm like, oh, that's, that's what that is. And so I, I, I think it's interesting. Like this is where we landed because. My book has spiritual undertones, but because I come from this place of, I mean, there were periods of my life where you, I couldn't even talk about God without just crying and breaking down. Like, I couldn't walk in a church building. I was so heartbroken. I was so angry. I don't feel that way anymore. But when I wrote my book, I thought of my friends who do feel that way. My, my gay friend, one of my, you know, very, who lives in LA and feels so hurt by the church, he doesn't even want to live in Utah anymore, you know? And as I wrote the book, I wanted the idea of you're already awesome to transcend the specific language structures that we get stuck in because I have a really firsthand <laughs> knowledge um witness front row seat to how those how those structures can cause us to throw the baby out with the bathwater for like lack of a better term so for me when i was like deconstructing what i believed in terms of god so this is college allison a lot of college allison um i was like okay well i don't believe in anything like i believe in nothing like i went like nihilistic which is 
Again, very Allison, right? So I'm like, <laughs> like, burn it all down. Nothing means anything. And honestly, there was like a period of like a month or so where like I barely left my room. I was like, there's no meaning. There's no point. And then I was kind of like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if this is where this is going where <laughs> if this is working for me, you know? And so then I was in a position to start building back up from a place of, what do I believe in? And the one thing that I could always land on was love. And so I do believe in like a heavenly father. I believe in a heavenly mother. I believe in angels. But I also love to have a conversation with somebody at whatever spirituality point they're at with no agenda. Does that make sense? Like I have no agenda. Like in, in terms of, in terms of, uh, in terms of spirituality, however, it's a sneaky spiritual book. Like it, it's a spiritual book. Like it's a, it's the practice of surrender. It's the practice of flow. It's the practice of higher power. It's the practice of returning to your awe some. And I mean that by like a jaw dropping, inherently divine state. But I, but I wrote the book that if you don't believe in God and, and you're like, that all sounds a little too much for me, I'm like, no, you're still going to really like it, actually. You're still going to really like it, right? So it's interesting because that really did shape like how I wanted to write the book and how I wanted to talk about the concept of inherent wholeness and just your innate worth. Um, and then in terms of speaking spiritually, I use a lot of words interchangeably throughout the entire book. And so, yeah, that's just kind of how I like to roll. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and you're not alone. You know, I'm going to go back to you when you're talking about, you know, like your experience is really like you don't like you were saying you don't have to. You're saying like sort of like there are stripes or something and you don't have to show them. I don't don't have to like, like I don't have to walk around saying like I was raised. Mormon. I I practice it in exactly this way, but within the culture like people do want to know. Like they they do want to know. Yeah. And I'm and I'm kind of like my response is like keep them guessing. But that's it's only because of the rebellious teenager in me. <laughs> well, what I was going to say about that statement before you got before you were saying like I don't have to love the show was like what I thought you were going to say was, I don't have to let that define Mm. me, you know, because the thing is too, is that we are all made up of not all, but many of us, like I was raised Catholic and I definitely don't think of myself as a Catholic, but you know, but yes, do I believe in God? And I also like, I have never, like, I think because the Mormon can be more like put people on high alert Right then, but also Catholicism. I mean, the, 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 I feel like the Catholics finally, you know what I mean? finally empathize with us a little bit. About but somehow, for some reason, Catholicism, yeah. for some reason, Catholicism is like more acceptable, even with all of the like priests of you know what I mean. Like some terrible stuff happens besides just the teachings. Like I was raised in the Catholic Church with all Catholic schools, and like in elementary school was like. No, I you're taking this entire thing as the truth. I don't feel like that makes the most sense. Like I at a very young age was like, I am questionist, but I don't have this like have to define myself or what I believe in and what terms and like, you know, the spirituality. But so um like 
Yeah, like we all, I think there's so many of us have had to figure it out on our own. Like, yeah, what, we can be raised with one way, we have this, we get married into this relationship or that, like so much. And then it's all like, we get to create our own relationship with spirituality and what we believe. And also as you, you know, and saying about with, you're already awesome and like the awe and the wholeness that, yeah, that really is like a spiritual practice of like, who are we to be on this earth and that we are like all spiritual creatures, even though I am someone who's like, as I'm saying this going like, yuck, because you know me that I'm not so like, oh, spiritual, yeah, like, you know, like in my what, demeanor, what is, I'm like, even, no. Even <laughs> like, what does that label mean in the last five years, you know? And, and society will swing from uh, religion to, to, um, magic, right. It the, the pendulum swings. And so it's like, you think of like the witch hunt, like the crusades, like these different like periods of time where it's like the populace of the people will either swing more mystical or more organized religion. And we're swinging very far in the mystical where it's very, very normal at this point, more so than 10 or 15 years ago to talk about your, like my grandma was into astrology, but that was like my mom's mom. That's like, I mean, it, it's not unheard of, but like I have a group of 14 year old kids that I'll, I work with and they all know what sign they are and they all want to talk about astrology with me and they're 14. And it's like when I was 14, a bunch of 14 year olds wouldn't all know their sign and what all the, the ast- astrological signs are. Right. So I do think it's really, really interesting even just like after 2020 and where we're at, I, I feel very much like we're in uh, and I, what do I know? Like, really, what do I know? I don't know what I know. These are Allisonisms. <laughs> like, I'm like, let's caveat, caveat. Nobody has to listen to me about anything. <laughs> but, but like in this place of, you know, oh, they believe this, burn them. They believe this, burn them. You align with this political party, down. And, and it, for for me, I'm like, yeah, this feels very, um, it's, it feels so like, like final and total where I'm over here. Like I said, I like to be like more fluid. And, and so in, in terms of, um, nuanced. I like, I like new, like there's a lot of nuance to me. Um, and social media as such a huge part of our consumption is not a place where nuance lives very well. So it is very interesting to view the, to see the lens of the world of this very nuanced world. Um, it's not so on social media. Right. Like when you actually sit down and talk to people, you're like, oh, maybe we we have more in common than we thought we did. Right. But so anyway, I don't know where we got that, where how we got there, but there we are. (laughs) Yeah. I when I wasn't like meaning to do a deep dive into religion, I just was like, why the heck did your parents only want to pay for? (laughs) (laughs) But no, I can see where that is a big part. Like, yeah. That's a big part of who you are and figuring out who you are and all of that too is like too, but not to say like that giving yourself this compassion of like, yeah, I was raised this and uh, now I believe this. And I also don't even think that we, even for ourselves, need to have a, this is what I believe and I have landed here, you know, like that we're all so like attached to. That's what social media wants us to do though. That is, that is literally what we are asking of people. And that's what blows my mind where I'm like, 
I don't know. Call me next week. I Give me a minute to think about it. Well, I don't bow to that pressure, but that's when yeah. I'm like, who says that some people on social media are demanding of that, that you don't like, you get to say whatever you want to say and share whatever you're saying. Just like you're saying, you don't like, um, people in the community may really want you to define it and you don't have to. It's like, yeah, you don't have to. And that's too. It's like, I have definitely in the last few years, like, what is my energy? And I used to feel like I needed to like reply mm-hmm. to everybody and explain everything and want to make sure that everybody knew this about me and that. And now it's just like, people, sure, they are going to have them. They're making up stories about who I am and what I believe and what this meant and why I didn't do this and why. And that's great for them to spend their time thinking about. I'm not. And I think that <laughs> And it was like a lot. And it, that happened in the process of like writing my book and like releasing it too. It was just like, wow, I would, I used to have to be, have so much energy and, but I want you to know that I said this because of this. And did you know about this? And let me show you about this and let me blah, blah, blah. Like I needed to have this proof of like, and now it's just like, it's okay if people are out there believing what they, if they're spending their time and energy trying to give me <laughs> like figure I out. You think like to- <laughs> Who Trisha is because we're all always changing. And that's even it's like, how can we have a definition of this, of what we believe when it we could get a new piece of information? And then, oh, I don't know, like we're all evolving. And I, I do think that um like I have a lot of compassion for feeling the ex like having the expectation of yourself to have things figured out. In fact, one of the shifts, so the, the book is written in 12 shifts and they're all based in in spiritual principles. And and one of the shifts is I don't have to figure anything out. And and really like the underlying principle there is trusting that the universe, God, higher powers that life is working together for your good and just kind of trusting that um, <laughs> that surrender that flow the different seasons that life is very cyclical and that this idea of like figuring things out going into this problem solving mode and i don't mean problem solving from the terms from um oh like somebody's hurting me i got no 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 that's not problem solving that is responding in the present moment to a life threatening situation do you see what i'm saying like like logistics. Like I'm like, I don't mean logistics. Like, I mean, like, I mean, like there's no problem to solve. Like I don't have to figure everything out. Um, but I, so I have a lot of compassion though, because the people who make their living essentially, I don't even want to say online, but I want to say like influential, like actors, uh, people who have platforms, which is essentially every, everybody now, right? Like to, to varying degrees, but everybody, we, especially with like masks, wearing masks, not wearing masks, there, there's been these like kind of big visual markers of, I, I need to make a stance on this. Right. And I, and I need to communicate. I, I believe this. And, um, I have so much more compassion for like not looking down on people if they feel that way. Like where you're like, I just have to get to a point where I'm like, I don't have to report to everyone because for me, what that did is it it really put me in like a trauma state. So I was having very much like a trauma response where I didn't feel safe, but I didn't understand that that's what was happening. Right. Like I didn't understand that I was, cause that's, that's how trauma is. (laughs) Like you don't get what's going on. You're just, 
losing your mind, right? You're like, why do I feel like I'm going to get attacked if I say the wrong thing? I feel like this attack is going to happen. I feel like I'm going to offend someone. I feel like I'm going to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, not show my support enough in this way and that way and all of these different things. And I feel like so many people collectively like under, like can relate to that feeling but then not even realize like you're trying to respond and you're feeling like you have to respond from this like trauma response, which is like, actually, no, you're good. You're safe. You're good. You're safe. You're good. Um, and so that's been something that was super interesting to me. After writing the book, I got really sick and, um, you know, you know, cause you, you were awesome reaching out to me. You like, <laughs> you alive? <laughs> it always reminds me of in cool runnings when it's like, Stonka, you dead? Like when they do their first run, do you know cool runnings? I do, but I don't like remember. It's Jamaica with the bobsled team. Anyway, so um, yeah, no, I'm like I know that, but I don't like remember specifically. They're you know taking the bobsled for the run, and they completely crash. And he's checking on his friend and he's like, Sanka, you dead? And he's like, yeah, man, like I'm dead. And that's when you would text me when I was like sick and like off the internet and away from everything. I felt like you're like, Sanka, you dead? And I'm like, yeah, I'm dead. Like <laughs> that was the energy. That was the energy I had was dead energy. Um, but when I was away from the internet, cause I'd been creating content and essentially like, you know, creating without realizing I'm anticipating a reaction for over a decade. Does that make sense? Like, and, and so to truly, truly, truly have a, a stopping point in that and to completely be able to remove it from my life was like pretty mind blowing. And, and what it actually did is it brought out my inner artist. It brought out like elementary school, Allison. It brought out craft bedazzling paint on your walls, Allison. It, 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 it brought out all of these pieces that, you know, had kind of been left along the way, um, which I think is really interesting because the, the first shift in my book is I can wake up to my awesome. Um, and every time we decide to return to the wholeness, every time we decide to return to I'm, I'm good, I'm good, I'm messy, I'm mean, I'm misinterpreted, I'm good shadow, light, I'm good, I'm whole, right? Every time we decide to return to that place, it's that spiritual practice of, of returning to the whole. Um, it really does help heal us and reclaim those pieces. Um, I think all those, like all the things we're talking about, like all the labels and, and, and again, like I, I very much support the LGBTQ community, right? Like I very much believe there is a race issue in the United States of America. Like, like even me feeling the need to say like, I believe this, like it's hard for me not to start wanting to defend myself. Do you think that the reason you're bringing all of this up was, was because the conversation there was that you had a, a statement that you were raised Mormon? Do you feel like that's yeah, why absolutely. you're now? So like, yeah, like, so that's so well, interesting. It's all, it's that it's all like, packed together. It's all packed together, right? So in the past. That people must, yeah. people now are going to see this of me. So they're going to yeah. think this of me. And so they're going to think this yeah. of me. And it's it's interesting because I'll be like, that's not true. And then I was in a, I was in a scenario recently where this guy was like trying to ask me in all of these like really weird ways. And I was like, why am I so like 
I, I like want to punch him. Like, I'm like, why am I so annoyed by this guy? He's like fine. He's a fine person, you know? Like, and I was, I felt so <laughs> triggered for lack of a better word. And it's because he genuinely was trying to figure out if I was part of a plural marriage. He's like, but the way that he asked me was by saying, what school did you go to? What college did you go to? Do you see what I'm saying? Where I'm like, what's the real question? What's the real question? What's the real question? And so it was kind of interesting to have that experience recently where it doesn't feel as real. Like I had a reaction, but it doesn't feel as loaded. I feel much more at home within myself and within my relationship with the divine. So I don't feel as defensive. Um, But I was like, no, it was real. I built up these defenses for a real reason. (laughs) Like people... (laughs) I didn't make it up, you know? Yeah. I mean, and I'm not saying that for sure. People might jump to those conclusions when they hear that. And it's so much energy though, like to try to have to navigate what other people may or may not believe with you. And that I had during those, the times in the last few years where there has been such a like, there were times where like, you must post or else this. Like I definitely had that like anxiety about this. And what should I put this? What? And I would catch me because it was such coming from this should place. What should I do? Should I share this? Should I not? Whatever. And coming back to what do I really feel? Because I did get like, okay, I have to share about everything now, right? That's what we do because we have to. We're calling it, the people out. And so, okay. And yeah, but then it was like, almost switch. And so now it's like, I pick and choose. Like sometimes I really am like, no, I care about this. And how will I feel if I am not being clear that like, this is wrong and not like being quiet. And and that for me is usually losing a lot of people and I'm fine with it. It's just, so for me, it's like, there is so much heightened. What are people going to think about me? And I have to say this and should I share this? And what does that mean? And I have to get really quiet and like, come back to myself. Like, well, what do I, even if it's uncomfortable, because sometimes I'm still sharing things that it's like, like, yep, there goes more people again. Oh, well. Um, but also that I don't have to share things like constantly to be trying to prove that I am a woke or that I care about every cause. In, in, it's like, because I just also don't have the time and energy. And that doesn't mean that I'm not caring about things on my own time. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's, I appreciate you sharing that too, because it does, it's like, Gosh, why does it feel so vulnerable to say that? Like there's a there's a lot there's a lot loaded behind that. But here's what I've here's what I've realized. Here's what I've found. This practice of returning to your wholeness of you're already awesome. You don't have to earn it, achieve it, be it, do it, prove it, um say it in a certain way, be perform it in a certain way. You already are what it has done for me. So I wrote the book, my body shut down and I had a psychotic break, like everything unpacked, everything that was murky showed up. And so then it was like, are you going to live it? Are you going to live all that cute stuff you wrote? Are you going to live it? And it's, of course, I had already been living it. I had already put the principles in action, I've been speaking about the principles, teaching them, workshopping them, coaching with them for years and years, but to live them on the level that felt almost aspirational when I was writing the book, which is returning to no padded thoughts, no buffers, no like, but I'm a good person because of this, none of that, just the core of it. I am inherently 
hole. Period. No, like period. With every, with everything that's unraveling that that's like next level. Like, but what it did, I'm like, that's next level. I don't know if you actually want to do it, but like (laughs) she barely survived. But what it did is it created this capacity within me to be wrong, to say, oh, I misunderstood that. Or, oh, I was naive or, oh, I was ignorant. So it doesn't feel so life-threatening now if somebody misunderstands me. It doesn't feel so severe now if I make a mistake. Because truly, the, the place I was in, the, the harshness I was in is like, if I have hurt people and made a mistake, like, I'm not sure I'm worthy of being alive. And that's absolutely where, that's where I went. I got very, very suicidal. And, and that's, that's, again, existential Allison. That's not like a new place for me. But I remember having this like distinct moment where I was like, at what age did I decide I'm not allowed to make mistakes? Was it six? Was it eight? Was it 18? Was it 28? And I'm like, I can tell you the age I decided that I'm going to allow myself to have compassion in my mistakes. And it was when I was 38. Right? Like that's like I can tell you when it's gonna start. And so by living into these 12 shifts, and the reason I call them shifts is because it's I wanted the book to be cathartic when you read it. The act of reading it is is the that's it. You're reading it, you don't have to go do anything else, right? Like, and I feel that way too with your book, where it's like F the shoulds, and you're like, okay, that's all I have to do is F the shoulds. I don't have to do Right. It's not like we're here is a personal development book where we're going to give you all of these other things you're going to need to do to activate no. them. It's like, here's some homework that yeah, good luck with. I'm tired and we're overwhelmed and I'm tired and I'm just, did I mention I'm tired? And so the, the way that I wanted to write this book was not from that defensive place, but from a true one on one heartfelt conversation of you're under the desk crying. Let me not try to pull you up. Let me just come sit next to you and put my arm around you. And that, that's the intention. And that's why I'm honestly like, I'm so proud. I'm so proud that I did it. I did it. I did it. Like, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to do. And, and right in the beginning of the book, I'm like, there's like a whole like, there's like almost, I, I kind of like guessed what people would argue with me about. Like, <laughs> So there's like, do I have to believe in God to read this book? And I'm like, I'm so glad you asked. Let's talk about that. Like there's legit because I just don't feel like we can even get, I do feel like in a lot of books, we kind of like skip around where you're like, but wait, what does the author actually think? And then you're like, why does it matter what the author actually think? I don't know. There's a whole thing there. Um, But I'm pretty clear. I'm pretty clear. (laughs) But no, I get it. I mean, because... God, spirit, any, it's that people's religious terms can be triggering. And so it is like using your own word for things. Cause like I said, I, you know, I was raised Catholic. I don't Catholic. And so in some ways I'm like, yes, I believe in God, but that there's also can be this part of me a little bit like not in that, like not in the way that you're trying to weaponize that Bible against me or like, you know, so it's like God used to be a triggering word for me. And then I'd be like, universe, so it's like, I think, but also I think in whatever it is, it's like finding the words that work for you that resonate the most. And I even like for using back to the awesome, 
I kind of feel like own your awesome is confronting because it's like, you know, like, ah, awesome. Like that's too much. And so I would even be like, maybe I want like own your greatness. Like that feels easier. And so it's like finding words that make it be more like, yeah, that, yeah. Okay. Own your magic, own your, like just different words make people feel different things on for different reasons. Trisha here with an exciting announcement. I have created a new magical space for me to share from the heart. Podcast isn't going away. Social media isn't going away. But I have a new space with a slight membership fee, monthly fee, where you will get direct from me mind, heart, and pep talks. It's going to be on my new Substack channel. You may be familiar with Substack, you may not. It's basically a way for people to share that is very easy for you to receive. So it will come to you directly in an email and there's also a Substack app. You can get it or you can go to the direct space to access all my shares there. TrishaHuffman.substack.com. So this is going to be my new space where I share. And it's going to be almost daily little love notes, pep talks that are coming straight from my heart to you. They're going to be written and there's also going to be some audio, but the audio there will be different than my podcast. These are going to be shorter, like two to five minute things where I'm talking straight to you, giving you a heart talk, a mind talk, a pep talk. There's also going to be some back and forth affirmations where I'm saying an affirmation to you and then there's space for you to repeat it to yourself. It's going to be so true to me and similar to what I've been sharing online for over a decade, but also a very unique space. And I am so excited about it. So go sign up, check it out. Um, You can sign up for free and for free, you will only get about a monthly love note. But if you sign up for the paid subscription, which is only $12, you are going to get so much love poured into you. I can't freaking wait. TrishaHuffman.substack.com. I do want to dive back in. This is hilarious. I love the conversation we had. And I love that I'm like, just, I'm just trying to have like, this is like, all how conversations go with me anyway. It's like, great. So I was like, we're high school, college. I was trying to like get to, I want to recap <laughs> what happened from college <laughs> to your writing a book. Cause you've done so many awesome things. Like how I found you on Instagram way back. Well, it, <laughs> we don't have to recount all of the college experience, but like you have been creating things for so, I mean, you were saying like, yeah, you said like sharing online for like 10 years. It's like, I know at one point you had like what, like a cookie club thing and like. I'll recap it quickly. I started with a blog and the blog was essentially giving myself permission to to write. That was like a new thing. So I started my my blog like right before. That's how my blog started too. It was just like, it was sort of like a diary for me that was going to be like easier online. Well, and I just was <laughs> like, well, no, I I wanted people to read it. I wanted the glory, Trisha. Don't get me wrong. Um, I was, I was like, no, 
No, I wanted the audience. And I was very filled of dreams. It was like- I probably did, but I wouldn't let myself well, believe yeah. that because then I didn't want to be disappointed exactly. if people did. Exactly. So like, yeah. let's well, also, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm so scared to start a blog. It's just for me. It's just yeah. for me. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so my blog was, she blogs, she blogs, like Ricky Martin, she bangs, she bangs. Here and we start, Allison believes and still believes she is a copywriting genius. So I actually have like a copywriting background, advertising. And so the blog, it morphed, it transformed, Instagram hit the scene. And it was like, why am I relating and, and you know, grow, getting more traction on Instagram instead of the blog? And it's like, oh, it's my personality. Like, And were you one of the bloggers too that was able to monetize back in the day? I was more successful... No, that's what I was trying to aspire to, but it didn't quite work. And so companies would email me and they'd be like, Hey, we want to, they would, we want to find something. We want to post something on your blog. And I was like, no, you want to do a sponsored Instagram post. And they would be like, we don't even know what that is. And so that, that's kind of a good precursor for, you know, this, Instagram following grew, but I didn't like being a billboard. Again, you know, rebellious, don't tell me you you know me because you don't know me. And I'm like, <laughs> so I started doing events um, and then I would make all of these uh, cookies. So then I started selling, um, but it's called Allison's Cookie Party. So it's not just like a, a sugar cookie quartz. It's called Allison's Cookie Party because what I learned from the blog to Instagram kind of transference was coming and hanging out and having a good time with me is a part of the appeal. I was like, really? You don't just want me to tell you like very technically how to make cookies in the absolute perfect way because I'm like, are you sure? Because like I, I love to teach. And, and so it's like kind of always been that battle within me where I'm like, don't let the personality overshadow the message. Don't have the message, right? Like there's this back and forth. So there was a lot of warring with where it's like people love your personality and you want it, but sort of you try to hold yourself back from like, here, well, like, here, let me just sell, give people the yeah. cookies. Or like, you're like, is that what it is? Like, you're trying to like rein yourself Always. in well, or like, something. Also, like, this is the best, right? They're like, just be yourself on social media. And you're like, you understand that by nature of creating content to share, it becomes performance. So then what is self and what is performance? Which is why it's a pretty sneaky meta reality that so many people like early 20s, late teens who are essentially living lives online don't even realize the matrix that they're in. (laughs) I can always bring it back matrix. (laughs) So was that like, were you having sort of confusion yourself in like, is this me or am I, or is this like, like cameras on me? Cause even if it's like cameras on you, like you being silly and like, you know, not done up, like you're not like, let me get all dolled up for the camera, but just even like, look at me being silly, crazy Allison. And was, were you like, is this me or is this me for my laid back IG follower? Like, I think like it wasn't, it's more like after the fact, cause like when I'm, when I'm in flow and when I am just just in flow, I'm very 
this is hysterical. I want to tell you about this really funny thing. Like that's, that's, and then later I'm like, should I have thought about that? Should I? So people will be like, you're so brave. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't, first off, (laughs) brave to be myself. I I mean, it is, it is brave to be yourself. It is brave to be yourself. Like it is. But also I'm like, what do you mean by brave? Cause like, I do think as a society, we really need to rethink the you are so brave compliments. Like, what are you saying? To be fair, to be fair, I am a blonde, white, heterosexual, heterosexual female. Is it, is it who, who's not, who's just right on the cusp of being societally, socially thin or not thin. Oh, right. Like, like uh, they like me better if I'm a little chubbier. Okay. So like, what, like really like, right. Like there's nothing brave inherently other than I'm being myself, which is warranting comments of people telling me how brave I am. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? No, that's what I'm saying. Like, and I am like laughing at like, yeah, the you're so brave. Yeah, I'm like, about no, it things. is like it's there's because like, I don't want to dismiss it because there are people who show up and it is brave for them to show up as themselves, especially in places where they're they they don't feel safe or it hasn't been historically safe. So there is braveness in just showing up, and you know, not to discount myself, like. It's freaking vulnerable. I had an actual psychotic break from like trying to make peace of like all of the things in my life and my work and sharing a book. I mean, like, it's not easy, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't know. I just don't feel like I should be applauded. So well, much. I'm saying too that I don't. <laughs> what I'm saying is not necessarily that what people are commenting I am brave on does not, uh, like need a comment, but it's just also like, yeah, how does that land sort of even like, oh, I love you for sharing like this, or you're so awesome for doing this. Like, right. Like you could still like say something that has sort of that meaning. Cause when somebody's saying I'm brave probably to you sharing in a like vulnerable or just silly even way, then they're just like, I love that. Wow. I wish I could do that. Like, Oh, that's inspiring me to like be myself more. Like, so it could be instead of you're so brave, you're inspiring me to like, for me to let go, like, or for me to to be myself more or to me to stop, like whatever. And that, and that's the thing too, where it's like, I'm not, that's the best part. This is the best part. The best part of all of it is this. I'm, we're like it it doesn't hold so much power all of the little things because i've healed so many core pieces so people telling me i'm brave or if an instagram post gets a response or it doesn't get any response um to be able to come back to that core to return to my awesome to wake up to my awesome there's no problem to solve i'm uniquely qualified to live my life these are some of the shifts to be able to land at that rock bed of a place and allow action to flow from there is such a freeing, beautiful place. Does it happen 100% of the time with ease for me? Of course not. No, it's not like I'm like fixed. There's nothing to fix. There's nothing to fix. And that's the difference. That's the difference. The book, the message, 
even if anybody listening just take away is like, there's nothing to fix. Now, when you return home, when you return to your wholeness, your greatness, your inherent worth, just like that newborn baby, like what did your babies, Trisha, have to do to get you to love them? What did they have to earn or achieve for you to love them? Nothing. Even when my youngest is throwing a bananas fit out of nowhere that is like, can't make sense of it. And I am so frustrated because we're supposed to be doing something or she's supposed to be doing it. I love her so, so much. Because much. So, <laughs> that's <what> so <laughs> much. And so to be able to return to that love, right? To be able to return to that love and the only way, really, the only way we get it for the people around us is to give more to ourselves to claim, to own more for ourselves. And I cannot even believe the amount of self-forgiveness and compassion that is required to get there. (laughs) But I can. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when you were saying all of that. I mean, and I think that's been, you know, my biggest, uh, the biggest thing. And even like, I I have a four-month like course happening right now. And so there's different modules every month. But like, Every the thing I reiterate over and over and over again, well, there's many things, but the most thing is the self-compassion. And that's what I feel that radical self-compassion is like my superpower. And it's constantly that it's like we're so hard on ourselves as humans, or even like, oh no, I did this and now I'm getting upset about this or all this or that comment triggered me. It's like, of course, because we're humans. And even though you have all this information and we've written the books and we've done the things, and it's like, Okay, great. And so now like giving yourself that space and compassion to like move forward from there and reset from there. Like we act as if like get to some magical place where nothing will ever bother us or affect us again. And that does not happen. But that's why we need these like tools. And I love the term that you use, the shifts that it is. Because that's not even, it's like, you know, like you're just seeing like, oh, a little shift. And that could even be like the tiniest well, I love little to pretend that I know how to millimeter I love of a to pretend shift. I know how to fly an airplane, which I absolutely do not. I But like barely let me drive a car. Okay. But like the thing with an airplane is you like just changing course a couple of degrees is going to put you in a completely different place. Right. And so that, that's how I feel the shift is where it's like, so let's say you're spiraling, which you know, yay, love to spiral. It's not, let's fix it. It's not, I'm supposed to feel excited and positive all the time. It's, this is causing suffering. Is there a shift that I can make that's, I can even sit with this suffering from a place of more compassion. I can sit in this discomfort with a place of, uh, with space, with not so much shame. There's so much shame around pain, so much shame around pain. And it's crazy because I was so sick for so long and going to so many different types of doctor's appointments and in so, so much physical pain to get to learn and see like, oh, this provider actually has a lot of shame around pain. and they, I take that shame on about my own pain when I'm with that provider. And I like even, even seeing that for myself and, and noticing like how much shame I had around pain, um, the self-compassion aspect, I, I wouldn't have been able to see the shame without the compassion because there was too much shame to be able to see, <laughs> you know? And so that's why I feel really like hopeful that like you said like we can't speak about all the things but this is the fight i know 
This is the fight I know. I know the fight of feeling not worthy and not safe just to be yourself and to love yourself. Um, and I want to sit with anybody else who's in that place. And I know that this book is um, going to speak to to those people who need to hear it. That's what I hope. No, it's going to. I'm not even going to pretend like I don't know it. Um, <laughs> I asked it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I also want to know. So, yeah, we didn't tell too much about, for people that don't know you, you have done so much before this book and, you know. It's in the book. It's in the book. Doing leadership courses and branding courses and lots of in-person events and such. And um, so what, like, I, when we know, like, you growing up always wanting to write and thought you would write a book, when you, like, did you know that this was the book that you were going to write? Or when you finally were like, okay, I'm writing a book, did you think it was going to take a different idea? Or maybe even did you have, like, no, this is the title, but, like, did anything change for you over, like, the time of committing to this book? Uh, so be. I changed – like once I wrote the outline, I was like, ew, boring. I'm not writing that because I already wrote it. So um, – Because you already wrote outline. the outline. You didn't need yeah, to write the book. I wrote an outline so I knew where it was going. So why would – that's like not interesting to me. Like I learned a lot about myself for this. Like to the – to the relief of many around me, I can see that I can be a little bit cur- curmudgeon and rebellious. Where I'm like, I'm not rebellious. I'm easygoing. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> so like, there's a. <laughs> I'm the most chill. What do you mean? Because I really am easygoing about a lot of things, and then not a lot. I'm really easygoing when things are exactly Thank how I you. want them. No, I'm just kidding. That's it. <laughs> That's that's what I was referring to someone else we were talking about before we started recording. (laughs) Yes, that is exactly it. But I may not also know what I want. So you're going to need to figure that out. No, legit. No, but legit because I'm also like, but I also have the one piece so solid that I'll fight you to the death for it where it's like, no, there's a book. And it's like, okay, we'll let the book go. I'm like, but there's a book. And it, and it's like, okay, but like, this isn't, I'm like, yeah, but like, if you build it, they will come. What's it? I don't know. Why would you expect me to answer that question? I know to build it though, and I will do it. And that's the thing that I think, you know, I've, I've had these interviews leading up to the launch of the book and without fail, my friends like you, they, they describe me the one way everybody describes me is you've done so many things. Like, and I'm like, I have, because I did whatever I felt like doing but I also felt whatever I did, whatever I felt called to do. And then as soon as anybody wanted me to do it too much, I didn't want to do it anymore. So I've worked <laughs> back, back to me putting myself in a box as a, a tricky question. I'm like, well, <laughs> but all, all of this to say, I started a podcast episode. I started my blog with the same intention. And there has been one intention through blogging, selling cookie courses, selling branding courses, keynote speaking, all of the different things. And the thread, it really has been love. And that I want to contribute more love into the world, which is also why it was hard when I you know, was realizing uh, uh, some people don't like me or I've hurt people or I did this in this way where I'm like, no, but all I wanted to do was share love. So 
you didn't receive my love. Like that's all I was trying to do, you know? But but it comes down. To, it really sucks that we can't control well, other people. I would people love to force feed everybody my love. <laughs> like it's just like the best intentions. Um, you don't like huh, it? <laughs> interesting. Now, um, <laughs> so I the the deadline of the first draft of the book was coming up, and it was like the middle of the night, and I all of a sudden was like, "It's feel awesome now." Like that's the call to action. Like what I want to do is help people feel awesome now. And so I was like, what are, okay, how do you feel awesome? What does that mean? Why don't we feel awesome? And then that's where the shifts. I was like, oh, I want shifts. That's what it is. And and it was like specific. It was like, I want the word shift. This was after I got the book deal. This was after I had written a proposal. This was all after. And then I had titled the book Feel Awesome Now, but I didn't love the title of the book. And I didn't really talk about it with my editors, but Throughout the book, you'll you'll even see it says like the invitation to return to feel your awesome, like feel that awesome. And it's not you are excited all the time. You are in a positive emotion state. No, no, no. It's you're in your wholeness. Even at the depths of the despair, you're in your wholeness. It's still going to feel terrible, but it feels a little less worse when you're <laughs> when, when you're in your in your wholeness, right? Um, or or even can believe that it's going to come back, even if you can't feel it in that moment right? To, to be able to hold that hope. And so the final shift is joy has big plans for me. And that one was really special and important to me because um, so much of it was concluded while I was in this place of like dire hopelessness with my health. There were no answers. There were no conclusions. Um, a lot has been resolved since then. Um, but but in that moment, it, it had not. So the feeling of joy has big plans for me. Okay, so I send this all off. They send it back. And my editor, who's a genius, she titled the book for me. And it was called You're Already Awesome. Here's what's funny, Trisha. Here's what's funny. You know, I've been doing my podcast for like six years or something. And I say at the end of every single podcast, only you can be you. And you're already as awesome as you need to be. So. The message was there. It was already like just like you're already awesome. Everything was already there. So she she, she took, took it and it. put it on there, and I was oh. yeah, and I love it. I love it. I love it. But like I didn't have a title. I had all the ships. I, I I wrote the whole book and I didn't have a title. I have a note on my phone with twenty book titles, like. That are other books that like my memoirs, like your my underwear kept getting bigger. I have so many, and even in the book, I say like five times, this would be a really good book title. <laughs> like I love titling books. And when it came to my my book, the book that was the book, I didn't know the title, but I built it. That's so funny. Yeah. Cause yeah, it's like, of course that's the title of your book. Like, what else would be yeah, the title? Right? No. I know. <laughs> But like, uh, like irony of all ironies, like somebody else was like, yes, Allison, you're already awesome. You know what? Someone actually titled, I was going with a different name for my book too, but fuck the shoulds do the once has been one of my phrases and in my product line for years, but I didn't want to, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go full cuss word or whatever. But so one of my first editors, so I had a different title 
and she was like, I don't, why don't you just do F the shoulds do the ones? But it wasn't like she was, I was like, oh, that. So somebody, so an editor actually was like that too. It was early on. It was like an editor that was helping me with my proposal that I hired. Um, but yeah, like, so somebody else was like, no, I don't understand why you're just not using this. <laughs> and I was like, and that's, that's right. A, I think that's such a beautiful <laughs> example that, okay, so here's the benefit. We're like talking about like all the emotional and psychological scars of sharing and being yourself. <laughs> we're like, we're barely hanging on. No, but <laughs> the benefit, the benefit is, is as you are brave, brave, there's the brave, but really, truly, as you are brave enough to just show up, just show up. You attract these people around you who are mirrors who can like help you see the things. And that's that's what you did is you attracted someone who's a mirror and was like, it's all already here. And that the same thing happened with the title of my book. And I hope that my book can do can be the mirror where it's like you're already as awesome as you need to be. Oh, why is that hard to believe? Why does your brain want to fight against it? Well, that's why I wrote the book. And not because <laughs> Because it is, it's difficult to to always, um, you know, like you can't just always hijack that operating system that has been keeping you alive for however many years you've been alive, right? As much as we want to hijack it and make it perform and believe exactly what we think it should believe, um, this is a much more compassionate approach because that's what I used to try to do, I think, right? Um, cause that's, I think that's kind of like one of the, one of like the beginning steps of like, um, like a phases of self-improvement is the like, um, set the goal and force the thing stage. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And again, I just think we're so hard on ourselves as humans. It's sort of like, well, what's wrong with me today? I don't feel motivated or inspired or like this So something must be wrong with me or something. And you're like, or it's just like whatever, the full moon, or you're just tired, or, or you're human, or period starting, you're or not like, we're like trying to figure so much out. And so I must not be very awesome. I'm not awesome anymore because I don't not getting all this done today, or I'm not feeling like this, or I don't feel like I'm contributing as much or whatever. The last um, couple questions that I ask everybody is the first one is what is a go-to to raise your joy Yay! levels? A go-to to raise my joy levels is definitely music. Um, I like to create playlists that follow, I started doing this a couple years ago and I like to like create a playlist for a certain period of time. And so there will be kind of like an over, like right now, for example, my, and this was like how I felt like coming out of the healing, allowing myself to, to put the book into the world. And it's, um, the term free agent of chaos. And that's. <laughs> It's, so I have a playlist right now. I'll share it with you called Free Agent of Chaos. Yeah. Let's yeah, put the Free Agent of Chaos, Chaos in the playlist in the show notes. Can we do oh, yeah. that? And, and you're going to be like, like, so on my other, I have my, I, there's some I keep private. So one I keep private is my, that's a psychotic breakthrough to you playlist. And um, that one goes from like rage against the machine to like Jesus. Like it literally is like, if you do what you want to, to like Jesus. Like, so we just go like wee all the way around. So, but the free agent of chaos is going to take you on a musical journey. And I love, I love music. I love lyrics. I love musicality. Um, I'm, I call myself a professional nonsense dancer. 
Uh, I've got good musicality. I can't like remember a series of steps. <laughs> Heavens no. But yeah, that's it. The nonsense dancing and the music provokes the nonsense dancing. <laughs> Love it. I ask everybody how to how to apply this phrase to their own life. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. That doesn't even have to mean that it's harder, but just what's easiest for me is blank. What's best for me is blank. Like a natural way of being, it's easiest for me to do this, but what's best for um, me is to do this. A couple different ones, but maybe I'd say like it's easy for me to give. But and so then I'm like, okay, so then you would maybe like the dichotomy would be received. But I'm like, but what if it's exchange? Because exchange, love it. Um, I don't. I'm like, I don't want to stop giving. I did that for a while to heal, but it it just it's the reason why I decided to put the book out. It's the reason why I decided not to quit everything and just you know, you know, blow it all up like I kind of wanted to. It's really, it's not true. It's not true. Like I told you, when I feel excited and happy and, and silly, my flow, I just like sharing and chatting. <laughs> and so, but, but the receiving is such a big, is such a big part of it. I don't just like want to give anymore. I want to like exchange. I love that too, because it also can like help you recalibrate or help us, not just you, whoever's listening to like that. Because I think many people struggle with that and can struggle with receiving, but it doesn't mean like you don't love to give. But yeah, like sort of looking at like what are the relationships and like the people, the things that, you know, that also too, like what you're giving your time to that you also feel like you're receiving, you know, like, yeah good feelings from or whatever too. So it's also not even like, oh, I'm giving to this person and like that it feels like an exchange and also like, yeah, like where you're putting your time. Like if you feel like you're getting like a proper exchange on your time and your energy and your effort and your yeah, love. And, and, <laughs> to, and not to necessarily like get super like quant, like quantify it. So like, yeah, like, like weigh, weigh it out. out. Like, like yeah. I gave this Wait. much. So I, this much. <laughs> Just the feel, feel of it. Because, of it. <laughs> you know, back to our, our point earlier where we were talking about not doing things for the comments or the response. Well, here's what I did. It's like, I was like, okay, I'm not going to like respond. Like, I'm not going to let it define me or make me feel like I'm doing a good job just because everybody's telling me I'm doing a good job. Because then when people stop telling me because they're bored or distracted or whatever, I'm like, I guess I'm not doing a good job. But it's like I swung the pendulum so far that like there were there were connections to be made there. I was giving and putting out a lot, but then I was really isolating because I didn't have the capacity to receive anything because I was giving from a place of, you know, maybe over functioning a bit or or and, and so it's been really, really cool the last like month or two you know, I, I haven't been online. I, ha I like, I hadn't been doing my podcast. I'd really been like people, like I just like ghosted the internet and people are like, you ghosted the internet. I'm like, it's wonderful. <laughs> and, and I'm broke and, and I'm broke and it's, <laughs> and it's, and I'm not invited anywhere where I thought that I was friends with people. But other than that, it's awesome. Um, but like I, the people that I have like seen or maybe like in a parking lot or this, they're like people who want to have this very genuine exchange with me. Like, Hey, you wrote this article or Hey, you posted this podcast and it really meant this to me. And it's like this beautiful exchange. 
right? Where I'm willing to receive the love and gratitude or the appreciation without it making it so personal or like define me or mean anything about me rather than just blocking it all because I don't want to be reliant on it to feel good. Does does that make sense? No, that totally makes sense. And that's sort of always been my, like, I don't, I have like a very modest following, you know, on social media, but I can, you know, I've had times of like getting frustrated or like in comparison, well, how come that person gets this much and has that and blah, 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 and I, whatever. And whenever I'm in those moments, it's just like me coming back to like, I'm sharing what I'm sharing because I feel like somebody needs to hear it and the method and not like being so precious with it or judging it or whatever. And so, yeah, like if it post does good, that's great. And if it doesn't, oh, well, if I, you know, like it's like, it's like this letting go of like, so it's even that is an exchange where I'm only choosing to show up because I actually want to share something, whether I'm on stories, whether I'm making a post. So it's like, I might not even be getting much in return, but it's like that, like, there's no pressure there, like because of like, I need to keep posting or how will I ever get more followers if I do this? And I didn't need to learn this new trick and use the hashtags. And I'm just like, I haven't been willing to play that game because I can't do it for my energy. And so, yeah, that might mean I stay at the modest following forever. And that's my choice. <laughs> and that's what's good and for also, my like, I, as you know, it, it was kind of jolting to go from giving myself all this time offline to let's put the book out. And the only reason... And I'm like, yeah. I, I will feel myself start to go into this state of my book's not going to be successful because I'm not talking about it enough. My book's not going to be successful because of this and because of that. So returning to, no, the, the, the creation of the contribution was the success. Like it, the success already exists. It already happened. Yeah. And you really can't measure it by that. You could have been on sharing about the book 20 times a week for the last six months. And that you, who's to say that that would have done it? You know, like you really, we really don't know. Okay. I'm not posting a ton, so I'm going to keep a modest following. Who's to say, Trisha, who's to say, right? Like we don't know. We don't know anything. Let's go back to the matrix. Well, I don't know. And I've always, yeah, like who knows? Like you never know when it's just, but like, I can't allow that to have the meaning over what I'm sharing or what I'm worth or if my words have an impact or anything has nothing to do with how many likes or followers that I have (laughs) or how many people buy the book. Because we also don't know if all of a sudden it's going to next year or like you just never know what's going to happen and what's going to trigger it. So surrendering to that magic. Uh, Okay. The last question is the name of the podcast is Claim It. Because I feel so often we are like searching for like, if I do this, I'll feel enough. If I do this, I'll be successful, worthy, et cetera, et cetera, that we're like putting it outside of ourselves. And that if we focus on like how we actually want to feel and how would it even feel to be feel enough, not look like, what would it feel like to be successful? Then we can actually have access to claiming those feelings in the now. So what are you claiming for yourself right now? Maybe in general or maybe with the book release, what are you claiming? Do you want gut reaction? Like intuitive gut not filtered? Mm -hmm. I was like, glory. I just yes. glory. It was it was Love so it. I was like, I sound like a maniacal <laughs> dictator. Glory. <laughs> the glory is mine. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. But it is, and that's, I mean, what we were just even talking about, like, 
Who's to say, like, it's not as if like, oh, because it hit this list or it sold this many books. Like you freaking poured your soul into a book and then used it to heal yourself back from what? I didn't, like, I'm not. The shutdown, you know, it's like, yeah, like claim your freaking glory of living your life. I'm like, you guys think, like, like that's, it's kind of a great position where I'm like, oh, you think your judgment of me is going to hurt? I've walked through hell. I've walked, I've danced with the devil. I dare you. Let's go. Like, (laughs) but you know, that's just sometimes. Oh, I love you. you. And I'm so excited for you. you. Thanks for this convo. Getting it all out there. You're you're welcome. Like I said, I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I just start with high school and then we just see where it goes from there. Like it's it's innocent. You know, most people are like, I can't speak about my childhood. I don't remember it. I don't, I never had birthdays. And you're like, it's cool. Let's just unpack what you've covered up for the last 20 years. Just like just while we're doing a quick podcast up. No big, no biggie. <laughs> I'm down to play, Trisha. I'll play your games. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll stop. <laughs> wow. I love seeing where the conversations will go. Yeah, there's so many things I thought we would get into about what I have seen Allison do in career in the many ways. I wouldn't say like pivoted, but did pivot, but things that she's offered and it's just so cool. But you can learn more about her and maybe discover more about you and how seeing you're already awesome. Go check out her book, You're Already Awesome. There'll be a link in the show notes. For more from Allison, you can go to alisonfalkner.com. Again, check out her podcast, Awesome with Allison. Yeah, most things you can find her as The Allison Show or Allison Faulkner. Of course, make sure to go get my book too, F the Shoulds, Do the Once. And once you get the books, leave a review again. You matter, your words matter, not just to the author. That's a part of how, you know, websites place, oh, read this book too, and they recommend it. And it also shows the booksellers and the publishers, oh, people didn't just buy the book, they actually enjoyed it. And that what keeps the books in print. (laughs) It's the truth. So your words matter. Leave a review for the things that you love, including this podcast, my book, Allison's book. For the last thought, since we're on the topic of awesome in very many ways, how can you own your awesomeness right now? Maybe that's like wearing something that's uniquely you. Maybe that's giving yourself a little pap talk, a little pat on the back, acknowledgement. Own your unique awesome. You're already awesome. Own it, own it, own it. Oh, and make sure to go sign up for my new Substack. stack.